Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. You know, I couldn't think of a better time or a better spot or a better place than to put the peg in the ground for this podcast in U.S. Open Week as we embark on a new journey. I'm Sports Center's Matt Barry, alongside America's caddy, our caddy and yours, Michael Collins. Dun, dun, dun. Well, we're happy to have you here for the first episode of Maddie and the Caddy. It happens to coincide with U.S. Open Week. If we're going to start the fun, we're going to start with a major championship. Now, there may or may not be a podcast out there from the Masters. A what? There may or may not. You mean? But we know that this one. Lost podcast? There might be one. Oh, no. On John Daly's bus. What? Neither here nor there. But what we know about today is that the U.S. Open is here, and there are so many guys playing good golf as they tee it up at Shinnecock this week. The funniest thing about this week at Shinnecock is the guys that are talking about the golf course and the USGA setup of Shinnecock. One, this is not the Shinnecock of 2004 with the super tight fairways, hard as a rock greens. I caddied that U.S. Open. Did you? I caddied that U.S. Open for Daniel Chopra. We got paired with Tiger Woods on Saturday and said Mr. Woods hold out for Eagle on the 18th hole. And it's still to this day. The loudest roar I've ever heard as a caddy. Did you make the cut? We did. You did. Yeah, we played with Tiger Saturday. So, uh, oh, okay. I was yeah. gonna blame you. I was gonna blame it all on nah, you. You, nah. didn't make the cut. you made the cut. We made the cut, and on Sunday, this is how hard Shinnecock played. Sunday, we were done playing, and when we finished, right around, we finished before the leaders went off. Uh huh. And we were like forty something when we finished. By the time the field finished, including the winners, yeah, we were top 30. We were 24th, maybe. Yeah, it might even been 21st. How was your club but selection that week? It was good. There was only one hole, and it wasn't club selection. It was the wind. Of course. I got the wind wrong on a par four, a dog leg left. And, well, it was the approach shot where I misjudged where the wind was coming from. So you know what these guys are going through this week. Oh. We're having fun talking about it, but you you know what it's like to caddy yeah. in a major championship, yeah. the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. What is that preparation like for these guys to get their players ready? Well, the funny thing is, so like last week they were playing in Memphis. Memphis is 180 degrees, 90% humidity. Shinnecock, the forecast is it's never getting near 80 Never. For the whole week, it ain't getting near 80. That's the forecast. Now, of course, the weatherman could be wrong, but you're talking about lows in the low 50s. Yeah. And highs near 70. Near maybe 71, 72. So this is a course that was designed the way that the USGA has set this course up was to play crazy firm and fast, similar to 2004, but there's a problem. Mother Nature was like, yeah, no, we're not doing it. I'm not playing by your rules. I don't care. If she never does. Year. She doesn't care. Yeah. So these fairways are really wide. They've widened them since. Yeah. And they've widened them since. They've made the course. They didn't want to happen what happened back when you caddied well, there. Well, that's the problem. They, but it's it's still one of those tracks where they say hit the fairway. But it's going to be a lot easier to hit these fairways if they're a little wet. And the forecast is for a little bit of moisture to be there. The problem, too, is like when it's not in the mid-80s to upper 80s into the 90s, mm-hmm. the course does not only does it not bake out, then it doesn't dry out either. 
You ever notice? So if you're somewhere and 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 you're cold and a little damp, yep. If it's only fifty degrees, you don't warm up very fast. Well, it's like that three hundred sixty-two days here in Bristol. I know exactly what it's like. Again, why are you trying to get me up here more if that's your selling point? See, I miss your musk. <laughs> you know that's PGA Tour. <laughs> it's PGA Tour uh, cologne. Yeah. They came oh. out with their own cologne. No, they, they didn't. Terrible promo in it, but yeah, it smells great, too. What was it? No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I wear it. You wear PGA Tour cologne. Yes. What? Smells like birdies, baby. <laughs> no, seriously, they do have their cologne. They I don't know if they even still they make it. smell like Dracar Noir? No. Now, that back in the day was the cologne. Oh, man. Back that in the and 90s. Polo. That and Cool Water. Oh, well, of course. Cool Water and, yeah, Dracar If I was cool dropping water. Dracar or Cool Water, forget it. I was going to a club. I was going. My club was Rick's Place when I was a kid. It was called Rick's Place in Lancaster. It was on King Street, and that was like it was the spot. Would you hit you? You throw the cologne on then? What? Yes. Dr- Dracar? Y- yes. Well, Aqu- the whole place smelled like Dracar because everyone was wearing it. So then you throw up a curveball and go Aqua de Joe. No, nah. All right, nah. so <laughs> I would bu- I would bust out Stetson before then. Oh, Stetson, because that smelled that'll so get them different. Yeah. 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 I, I would I would go snobby Scottsdale, maybe go Giorgio every once in a while. Oof. Yeah. Mm, no. I like that. Yeah. Nah. All right, so back to Shinnecock. Back to as, we, <laughs> as we tend to do is veer <laughs> off. But it, look, you're going to get conditions this week. They're Hitting the fairways is going to be paramount. Talking to Pat Perez, yeah. if you miss these fairways, you deserve to be in the rough. And the rough is... You you can lose. Remember, it the was fun like that, that at Aaron Hills. Remember though. the fun that we had at Aaron Hills yes. playing, messing with the rough, and how many people ever really got in it? Not a lot. Those fairways were football fields, correct? But that was a now, thing. These with some aren't. Of the big, remember, these, remember those guys. Oh, we said that well, about Rory. Remember, Rory said it earlier in the week last year at Aaron Hills. Yeah, but Hills? Rory was the guy. Remember coming into Aaron Hills though, we were talking Rory like this dude's gonna kill everybody because he hits it far and straight. Mister Cut and <laughs> that whole straight thing, not so much. What's it like caddying at a major? With Tiger at the height of his powers and Stevie Williams bullying you all day. He, you know what? Stevie Williams saved me a two-stroke penalty. Really? See? How? So for all these people to talk about Stevie Williams is a bully and he's a jerk and they used to call him an ass. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, no, he's not. And he did not know me. He had no clue who I was. I was just another stupid caddy. So how'd you handle that first introduction? So the first T, again, now Tiger, Tiger was kind of at the height. You know, Tiger. Peak powers. Yeah, but he's Saturday, no chance of winning. We're way back in the pack. So he he gives us the cold shoulder, just the handshake. Good luck. Good luck. Whatever. What did you say to your player after that? Nothing. I told Daniel, don't watch his swing. Whatever you do, do not watch him swing. Watch the ball. Don't watch his swing. Why? Because if back then, if you watched his swing, your swing got faster because you were trying to keep up. Instead of playing your own game. That's right. where everyone messed up. Right, so that's how Y.E. beat him. That's, that's one of the ways. That's the advice. So then you Don't get to your watch Stevie. It. So now, and then Stevie shake his hands, and it's all cordial because, you know, I got a job to do too. I'm taking care of my guy, who at the time was a prima donna as well. Really? So, oh, my gosh. You have no idea. Did he like, earn it? No. <laughs> I mean, no. Don't you have to earn it? You want to prima- hear something funny? So, I do. Okay. That, at that time, I was doing PGA Tour Sunday. On the USA Network. Yep, I'm aware. Yeah, so and so I was pretty well known because I had done some stuff on the Golf Channel, and of course I'm I was friends with a bunch of the golfers already too. You're pretty modest, yeah. No, I'm just here's the problem. So that week at the U.S. Open, people are coming up asking for my autograph and asking for me to take pictures. Now Daniel's a rookie on the PGA Tour and had been very successful 
on then the nationwide tour, you know, now the web.com tour, but he wasn't as well known as he like wanted to be. So it uh, did not go over really well that the caddy was at getting asked for autographs and pictures and like VJ's coming up on the range. I kind of know what he's us. going through though. He's a little bit angry. So at, and at one point said, if you sign one more autograph this week, you're fired. How'd you handle that? I laughed. Cause it was kids. I was like, you really, I'm going to tell a kid, nah, and then I'm going to look at you. He said, I'm not allowed to. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I don't think so. Like that doesn't work. For so me. you, you disobeyed your boss. I, at I the may, US I didn't Open. say I disobeyed him. I didn't say I disobeyed him. Would you? I may have snuck a couple. <laughs> That's all. He didn't, you know what? Then I, what I did do was I didn't walk as close to him. After the round and before the round. So he's telling you not to sign stuff because he's you know a little insecure he about it. Well, what he used to say, he loved Kobe Bryant. And it was when Kobe, it was right after Kobe and Shaq had split up. And Shaq went to the Heat and won championships. Won a championship, right? And so he kept saying, there can only be one Kobe, Mike. Can only be one Kobe. <laughs> and then I would be like, I got you, Daniel. But how many championships has Kobe got without Shaq? And he would just shake his head. You know what I mean? It was it was pre the two that he won with with yes, Powell, yeah. yeah. It was pre the other championship. So I used to he used to be like, "Only be one Kobe on the team, Mike." And I was like, "I understand that, but Kobe ain't got no championships without Shaq, yo." So calm down, relax. This relationship sounds wildly dysfunctional. It did not last. I got fired on a Thursday after the round <laughs> in Chicago, right. and his wife fired me. You got fired by your boss's wife? Yeah, he wouldn't come out the locker room and do it himself. So you, we did, almost got in a fight on the golf course. This I put is the bag down a, during what, the tournament. Yeah, during the round. What happened? Uh, he was just really. So I mean, everybody knew my comedy background and stuff. And for we, those of you who don't know, Michael did stand up comedy for, for twenty what, years. For twenty years. Yeah, yeah, and then caddied on tour. And and so uh, we were caddying was at TBC Avenel, and. It was like the second round. And Daniel had just been playing okay, not really great, or, you know, but our relationship was already pretty stressed <laughs> it's just fantastic. at that point. And we get to like number, let me think, four, <laughs> because you have to go across the street. And so he just was not in a great mood. And I I didn't really know why. And he wasn't playing bad, but right. he hits the tee shot and we're in a threesome and he goes taken off down the fairway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... He's about 15 yards in front of me, and I'm about – and he was a fast player and a fast walker. So he's 15 yards in front of me, and I'm 10 yards in front of the other two players and caddies that are in our group. Mm -hmm. Well, he hears them laughing, and it, he blows in his mind. He thinks I'm hanging with them instead of taking care of him. Right, doing your job. Right. So he, in his mind, blows a gasket because he's like – Mike don't care about me. All he cares about is entertaining all the other guys on the tour. Do you think tours. maybe he thought you were talking about him? No. Well, maybe the way they were laughing, but he wasn't <laughs> He wasn't playing bad enough for me to be making fun of him in that way, which I never really did anyway. Like, I was always trying to be. So anyway, now he he's not, like, I can see in his face when I get up there to get him the yardage, he's not speaking at all. And then on the neck, uh, what's the matter? Nothing. Just give me the club, Mike. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that how he talks? Yeah. He's from Stockholm, Sweden. No, he's not. He's raised in India. No. He was, yeah, he's India? Yeah, he was raised in India. So we used to play our practice round with Arjun yeah. Atwal as well. Yeah. Which was great hearing the two of them go back and forth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. and I loved it. It was great, but then like I had no idea why he is freaking out. So on the next hole, same thing. He don't talk to me or nothing. And finally, like he's being such a jerk that it's a it's an iron off the tee and a, a wedge in. Yeah. And when we get to the ball, I literally put the bag down in the middle of the fair and was like, you want to go? You want to go right now in front of everybody? Because I'm embarrassed you. You challenged your player yeah, to my a wife, fight in my the wife, middle of the yeah, round. My wife and his wife are on the outsides of the ropes, and I know they were like, what is going on? So Samantha Chopra is watching this go down. Yep. And Mrs. Caddy's watching this Still, go down. Yep. And just, you just sit the bag middle of the fairway. And just put my arms to the side like, you want to do this? I'll do this right here in front of everybody. Like, I don't know. And I even told him, like, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. <laughs> you don't challenge the guy to fight. I did. What? When? When? Like, what hole was this? It was on number five by then because he was being such a jerk on the fourth that on the fifth I put the bag down. I was like, let's do this. You want to so, go? Let's so he, just go. So he likes not to fight you. Well, he goes, just give it a clap, Mike. <laughs> so I just picked the bag up and I go, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. I don't understand what's wrong. Why are you doing it? And he was like, just give me the club, Mike. And he hits down there to like nine feet and makes a birdie, right? So I was like, okay, man, let's, I don't know what the deal is, yo. And literally after the round was over, Samantha comes out of the locker room and yeah. I'm out there and she goes, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> we can't work at his storytelling. Yeah. So this is the fifth. He birdies the hole. Yeah. What'd you end up shooting? I don't even remember that. I don't remember. Right. I think it was probably one or two under. We, All right, so you you make it through the rest of the round. So yeah. now coming out of the locker room. Yeah. Samantha comes out of the locker room. Yeah. Well, number, I do remember this. We finished with a bogey. We made bogey on the last hole. And I'll never forget, my mom drove down from Lancaster <laughs> with my best friend. Oh, right? Who's a co- who was a cop at the time. Mom. Oh, dude. You had no idea. Now, my, co- my best friend, Jose, is like six foot five. He's a Puerto Rican cop. He's a monster. He just looks like a monster. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, Daniel came out the scoring trailer and was, and I was like, hey, man, I want to introduce you to my mom and my best friend. And he just goes, yeah, hey, and walks up there, just totally blows him off. And then there were some reporters there from Sweden, and they were like, hey, Daniel, we're from Sweden. Can we get a couple? And he was like, oh, hey, talking. And my best friend was like, yo, I'm taking this dude out. And I had to like, nah, dude, don't. Come on, man, don't do. He was like, nah, you, because he kind of knew our relationship had gotten yeah, real strained. Right. So then uh, Samantha came out of the locker room in the parking lot and was like, hey, can I talk to you from? I'm like, yeah, what's the deal? What does it matter? Oh, you know, Daniel's really upset because you were making the other players and caddies laugh and kind of not focusing on him. And I was like, you know, I wasn't walking with the other players and caddies. They were 10 yards behind me. Like I was, they were back. I don't even know what they were talking about. Yeah. But they were laughing and stuff. And she goes, Oh, well, you know, that's what Daniel thought. And this, and, and I was like, well, can you let them know that that wasn't the case? That that's not what I was doing. So. And, and then was finally it. it came to a head at in Chicago uh during the the western the western open and on a Thursday he shot 6 over par and I wasn't talking to him and he wasn't talking to me and see, my wife was just like look how long are you going to stay and I was like I really believe in this dude I know he can win and I just I think at some point he's got to get past this like 
this feeling that he has that like, like you're we, like we can't be a team of star. He right. felt like I was thought I he he felt like I thought I was the star and didn't feel like he was the star of the team. And I felt like we can both be the star of the team. You're you run point. Like you're the president and I'm the vice president. Yeah, someone's got to be Steve Nash. Someone's got to score. You know what I mean? Like I, you can dunk all you want. I'll just let me throw you the alley oop. But somebody's got to throw you that alley oop, yo. But he doesn't want that. Like he wanted to be. He wanted to be hero. Ball. He wanted to be Kobe so, without Shaq. Did he drive you out of caddy? Was no, that it? Uh-uh. you caddied beyond that. Oh my gosh! As soon as he fired me, I had my phone was ringing off the hook. All right, so I will. And then I changed my phone number, and he actually tried to call me later. <laughs> what happens if you and I are at a tournament together and you run into Daniel? We're friendly, man. We're real cool. Oh, you're good. I lo- I saw Samantha down at the Hero World Challenge and chatted with her forever and stuff. Like we just just because it's almost like it's like some people when they get divorced they were better friends than they were married couple. Sure, and that's me and Daniel. I'll be honest. I didn't think U.S. Open first Maddie and the Caddy podcast that Daniel Chopra would be the lead story in a fight. But Matt <laughs> and and for the beautiful downloader, which we appreciate the download here of Maddie and the Caddy with with that amazing story. I'm going to give you Daniel Chopra's record in major championships, Masters cut in 08, the U.S. the Open Championship cut in 05 and 2012. PGA Championship tied for 41st in 2006. His best finish in a major ever. T24. 24. The 2004 U.S. Open. Boom. Our caddy and yours, Michael Collins. He did hook me up with a nice bonus for getting him through On the 36 0 qualifier. How yeah. much was it? Uh, I think at the t- it was like 600 extra bucks just Wait. for the one day 36 hole qualifier. That's good. Well, he had never made it to the U.S. Open before that. See, that was his first one. 600? 600 for the day. I don't care. There's caddies at Rockledge making more than that. Yeah, Rockledge don't get you in the U.S. Open, though. Don't forget, I still got the caddy in the U.S. Open and got a pretty nice check finishing for 24th. That's you know, true. Got the oh, week- yeah, what is the caddy got cup, the by the way? Weekly- well, back then, I was getting 10-7-5. 10% for a top 10, 10% for a win, 7% for a top 10, and 5% for everything after that. It's like our podcast agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I, I've been out of caddying for a while. Maybe my adding and subtracting is not that good, but just saying. I mean, really the best way to segue from Daniel Chopra to SVP? Because <laughs> that's such an easy segue. <laughs> I mean, it really just works hand in hand. <laughs> Who better to play our first hole with here on Maddie and the Caddy than the great SVP is the face of ESPN Golf? Uh, we're going to catch up with him. We'll congratulate him on the caps. Yeah. We'll preview the U.S. Open. And you know I wonder what? if he stopped crying yet. We'll find out. We're yeah. just going to have a good old-fashioned talk yeah. with SVP next. You know you're in the <clears throat> presence of a professional when when the, the anchor of this fine network shows up in a suit and tie. I thought I was in court. <laughs> <laughs> he walks in ready to go. Hey, Your Honor, I just I want to plead no contest if it's cool. Collins looks like he's selling T-shirts. I look like I'm going to the beach, but the great SVP is joining us now, the, the, the first ever guest on Maddie and the Caddy. Um, before we get to all of the good stuff with golf, let's talk about the good stuff with your caps. Have you come down yet from the high that is winning this? No, Cup? no, 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 no. I one, just, did you cry? I did. Oshi made me cry when he spoke about his pop. Uh, I didn't cry. I didn't cry because, like, I and I tried to be as honest as I can about this. Yeah. Um, I don't have enough emotional and mental mental energy 
to invest from October until the spring with the Caps because I'm I'm all in with Maryland and you've only got so much time you can pay attention. I got little kids. I can't be like, hey, uh, Caps and the Panthers gotta have to watch this one. <laughs> so I'm pay attention, but I I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's my it's and this. I, People don't believe me when I say this. It is my favorite sporting event. I think it's the greatest sporting event from start to finish in sports because what is asked and what is given by the people that participate to win that trophy, to get their hands on that trophy, is unmatched in sports. And so I've never seen the team I root for win it, and they just won it. And I went on Monday to see Game 4, and it was so fun to see my city be optimistic. I was just talking to a guy you know well, Steve Sands from the Golf Channel, yeah. a great friend of mine from D.C., and we were there with a bunch of our other friends. And there was the thing that, that struck me was optimism. Uh, it was a, I think everybody knew this Caps team's different. They beat Pittsburgh. They didn't lose to them. They won Game 7 on the road yep. against Tampa Bay. And watching them play against Vegas, who was a hell of a story, the Caps were just better, man. Like, just look at the people on the ice. And the red team was better than the white team. Mm. And you know, they won every series on the road, and so long answer to a short question, no, I'm not down yet. It's it's fun when your team does something good. Dude, you know one of us is an Eagles fan, so I'm feeling you straight up. I just want to know, when the Cavs beat the Penguins, mm-hmm. was that for you? Because the first thing I thought of was, they now know what Red Sox fans feel like. Mm-hmm. After Red Sox beat the Yankees, it don't even matter who we're playing in the finals because this is on like Donkey Kong now. And Trotz told me as much um, that basically it, he said, and, and I, I admire, the, I admire, no, Barry Trotz. Oh. I, I admire the fact that he, <laughs> that he was uh, honest about saying it was important for us to beat him and it mattered to beat them there for us to send those folks home disappointed. And so that was, that was the first time that, that I think they recognized. Um, all right. It was the first time they stopped looking in the rear view at the pass and they started looking strictly out the windshield and just saying, all right, whatever is going to be is going to be. TJ Oshie talked about that. Like they weren't dragging the past around with them because it didn't have to do with them, you know? Mm. And so I think that, I think that applies in sports to a lot of different yep. teams and a lot of different situations. And I said this about Sergio Garcia forever. If you look for the boogeyman around every corner, you will find him. Every You'll make somebody that isn't the boogeyman the boogeyman because you'll yep. convince yourself that there's something bad waiting around every corner. When you stop looking for the boogeyman, when you choose to be optimistic rather than pessimistic, you can make the world look different. And they did. And also they were better. <laughs> so that had a lot to do with why they were optimistic. But one of my best friends is an Eagles fan. And so I, I talked to him today and I said, we're, we're, his name's Bob Sanko. I said, we're calling this year of Sanko. I said, bro, in, in, in less than six months, you got an Eagles Super Bowl win and a Caps stand Cup, like you have nothing ever the rest of your life to complain about. No, nope. as a sports fan, you are set, good to go forever. Even the Sixers made the playoffs too. Yeah, like that whole town of take and oh, Villanova. Nobody's even talking about Villanova. Championship. Nobody's even talking about Villanova. Yeah, that's I've what I mean. said it about Cubs fans when they won the World Series a couple of years ago. They now in perpetuity should just smile. What I said about winning a title as a Maryland Terrapins basketball fan when they won it in two thousand two that when you get one. It's like a winter jacket that will keep you warm for the rest of your life. And does it get torn and tattered and you got to put duct tape over where the, where the goose feathers are coming out? Yeah. So, okay. You guess what? I still got that. Song. I'm rocking I it. I still got that. <laughs> you can beat me if you want, but I you know what I'm saying. I still got it. Yeah. You know what I mean. I yeah. might look like a hobo, but guess what? I'm a warm hobo. I dare you to try and put that in the bag that's going out. That's what I'm saying. I dare you. <laughs> just as a sports fan, you just want to know what it feels like. You just want to see your guys or girls, whoever you pull for, do it. And uh, so my man is he's he's on top of the world. Um, 
as a, I'm a bandwagon guy for the Stanley Cup, but I was emotionally invested from from the jump. And um, man, it's fun to see your your squad do it. You know what cracks me up, man? And this is one of the reasons I think that me and you get along so well is because we are never even working at this place mm-hmm. where people are always like you're supposed to be a professional all the time. And <laughs> not, me and you are like, look, these are my team. These and I am unapologetic. You know what I've said? I can do my job. Like, I can do my job. Sure. But I'm not going to tell you, like, I'm not emotionally invested with a team. I've said a thousand times, we're all from somewhere. Right. And that's where I'm from. And and I think people, I, I don't think, I know people out there listening to us, they like knowing that we've got skin in the game. Right. They like knowing that we're as emotionally invested in who we pull for as who they are with who they pull for. And they like to to, to heckle you when your squad loses. And you got to be able to deal with that. And that's okay. Right. Like Maryland loses or whatever. I, I got it. I know you're going to come. Come, <laughs> come on. That's with fine. It. Come on. I'll be over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll be here tomorrow. It's okay. But I do, I do feel that I didn't take some Hippocratic oath that I, you know, you're supposed to do this. You do what you want to do. Right. And I'll be over here being who I am. Because so far it's worked out okay, and I'll just keep being, right. I'll keep being true to that. <laughs> it's just not, it's not authentic. We got into this business because we love sports. Right, you exactly. and I talked about it the other day when we were doing what men do and get makeup together. Yeah. And we were talking about how <laughs> the lifestyle. Okay, so not everybody. <laughs> what if everybody does that? One of the best things we love every year is going to Augusta, without question, and going to the Masters. It's our favorite week, and even you have you've done it for years. But mm-hmm. you said something that that me being there five, six, seven times. I'm glad that I felt the way you still do, which is like it's the first time every time you walk through those gates. Yeah, and I tell anyone that that's never been, you can get. I mean, it's you can get there and you can get in. Is it a, is it a pricey ticket? Yeah. Yep. But but if you're a fan of the game, you must go there because there is nothing in the sport that is like it, and nothing that I or you or Michael you could nothing we can say to you will paint a picture that will make it make sense mm. until you walk in. What it looks like. Uh, and I can close my eyes right now, and I know what it looks like, and and I can I can imagine what it feels like to spend an afternoon under that tree out yep. back, and and it's a it's a place that I every day walking to the course, I walk from the television compound up through the par three course, and every single day I stop on the eighth tee, yep. and I stand, and I look out over the pond, and I just get my mind right. You can call it whatever you want, reflection, prayer, meditation, whatever. I stop. I I, I do. I yeah. really do this. Yeah. I stop, and I just think. I'm here. I get to be here. I'm grateful. I hope I come back, but if I don't, I'll, I'll remember that I stood right in this spot, and I do it every single day. And um, Augusta's Augusta has that that uh, it it has that sort of magical, mystical appeal. Yeah. St. Andrews is the same way too. Yeah. If you if you get a chance to go to St. Andrews, it's the same kind of thing. Like I can I can hear what the seagulls sound like on the 18th hole, and they sound different. It's a it's a Scottish seagull. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Scottish seagull accent or something. But there's certain places in the game. Augusta yeah. certainly is one. St. Andrews is another for me. That um, every time you go, like. It's never, oh, do you have to cover the Masters? No, no, I get to cover the Masters. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to do anything. I get to do that. Right. I almost had my credential taken the very first time my first year. What happened? The moment you're talking about that you do every day on the 8th. Mm-hmm. So the first time I got there was on a Monday, and it was like 445. And I go in the media center, the old media center, which was right by the first. Sure. And someone said, hey, man, you need to go out there now because it's kind of quieting down. So I was like, okay, cool. So I go out there and I walk the back nine and it's 455 and I'm walking down 10 and people are coming up the other way. And I'm like, I got the back nine to myself. This is awesome. Uh, second nine yeah, in second master's nine. parlance. Got to the 12th tee mm-hmm. and Henrik Stenson was there with uh, Gareth and Fanny. 
and I talk to them for a second. They hit their tee shots and go, and it's me standing on 12 tee. Like, and I'm behind the rope, not, I'm not in the wrong spot, but I'm there by myself and the sun is kind of behind the trees. And I was like, you know what? And I take off my shoes and my socks and just have that quiet moment and go, I'm the luckiest guy in the history of the universe. I'm getting paid to be here and just take that deep breath. And as I'm doing that kind of feeling like <laughs> I'm waiting for the, right. I get a n- little tap on my shoulder and it's a Pinkerton and he goes, so which, which gate are you looking for, sir? And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for a gate. <laughs> I'm just chilling. Looking for a squirrel. Talking to my buddies. Yeah. Right. They're there on the green and I was walking around and he goes, sir, the, the course is closed. You're not to be here right now. So I don't know why you think. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. This is my first time. I've never been here before. Please don't take my badge. Can I? And he was like, what are you? And I show him and he, Oh, you're media. Just go up to the media center, man. Just, you're not supposed to be here. When you started saying I started taking off, like I thought you As dropped said, trial. You, yeah, Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't go all or something. Like, just, just, just take is, leave of your senses. It's Augusta, man. Yeah. Like, you're not going to church on Christmas Eve and be like, this is the time to get naked. <laughs> I'm going, I'm, if I knew it was going to be that kind of party. Yeah, no, I <laughs> understand. Know, I understand. It's a birthday party, but it ain't mine. Not yep. birthday suit. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So it's like, you know, that, and that's the beauty of this podcast, though. The beauty of this podcast is you came from Golf Channel to here. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things that we're talking about in, in doing this kind of this kind of show mm-hmm. is you now get to see too and from Golf Channel golf is in everything. Mm. Everything. What's the one guy that surprised you the most that you when you found out, wait, that dude golfs too? I think when when and this is when I was at the Golf Channel very early in my Golf Channel days, I I got Samuel L. Jackson to do a bit where we shot like from a golf golf ball's vantage point <laughs> up at him, and the, the 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 bit was the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. <laughs> Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. And it continued and continued. I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger, and you will know that my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. He's talking to a golf ball. Yeah. And then he get, and then he, and then like, you know, cut back to him kind of giving a look like, and just a nod of the head. And I just thought, that's funny to me. Like, <laughs> J- like Jules has given his bit to, right. to the golf ball. Jules on and the golf course. This, this was obviously right after Pulp Fiction and Samuel L. Jackson did it. And, and, and keep in mind, A, the golf channel is this big. Right. Bitty bitty bitty. I'm nobody. I'm just some guy that works there. But he did the bit, and Sam, I haven't seen Sam in years. But we became friends out of that. And when I, it, it's what surprised me, but it shouldn't because we know what the game is. It's 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 a disease. He has it <laughs> bad, man. Like he's got the he's got the Jones. He like when he's, he's doing, got it in his contracts. I was just getting ready to tell you. you so you already know. Man, well, you already know. <laughs> when he's when he's got a film, he gets it written in. Like that he gets certain days to play. You see him like at the Dunhill Links. Like I mean he's in all oh, deep. Yeah. In deep. Not just like I like to play. Like he wants to he is immersed in the game. And so I think back to that first him doing the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen speech to a golf ball and me getting it uh, on tape. I still have that tape. Really? Um, oh, that's amazing. Oh yeah, I oh. saved I saved it from the you, my golf yeah, channel. Yeah, you days. had to. Uh, but 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 you're right in that it's the greatest connector. Golf's a great connector because yep. I don't care what you do if you are trying to get people together. It's the greatest money raiser on the planet. 
I mean, the tour has raised billions with a B. Uh, I was just with Andy North in Madison, Wisconsin. They do a thing for the Carbone Cancer Center yep. up there. They've raised over $10 million bucks on Andy's name with golf, and Aaron Rodgers has been there all like 10 years that they've done it, this and that. I mean, it's it's a place that, that people like to play, people like to get together, people like to lend their time to try to help their friends. Um, but golf becomes the greatest connector, the greatest glue of all those those things. The common denominator is that. It's is the golf. one thing I use all the time. I say, what do Aaron Rodgers, Michael Jordan, and Justin Timberlake all have in common? Sure, there you go. They're going to go play golf. And and have it bad, man. Those guys all love, love, love. The fact love. that you called it a disease, it is, it is an addiction. I tell people all the time, golf is worse than heroin. <laughs> Because at least when you want to quit heroin, there's an 800 number you can call. <laughs> yeah. There's no, you ain't jumping on a hotline and be like, hello, I got, I got my clubs right next to the door. I'm going to go play 36. Sit down, let's talk. And I don't know how heroin works, but I don't know that you drive past people. Like you, you drive by golf courses. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how that works. I, I don't care. I don't care to find out, but it is, it is the, it is that, 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 I mean, we've all lived it, you know, that, that the, the pursuit of, of, the unattainable, right? Yeah. You know, you can't become what you aspire to become. Aaron Rodgers, I asked him to just to compare, you know, third and five tie game, got to win, go to the playoffs, or stand on the tee in Reno. He's like, Reno's so much worse. <laughs> so much worse. And why is that? You know, this guy, because he's at the top of what he does. What is that about Aaron Rodgers? Because that's what he does. It's fascinating. That's, that's what yeah. he does. I had Fife from Tribe Called Quest here. And uh, he was on the set with me, and he was horrified because he was so nervous. And I just said, I said, Fife, you've rapped all over the world. Right. Tens of hundreds of thousands of millions of That's people. That's Tribe Called Quest. Exactly. Like- and so he says to me, and it was great, he said, but that he said, this is what you, you know, but he said, that's what I do. This is what you do. And so it's just stepping out of what you what you're expected to be good at and stepping into an arena where you know. Jordan Spieth screwed up the, the place where you took your shoes and socks off. Jordan Spieth made a mess of the 12th hole, and he won there, and he did that on that hole, oh, and yeah. he's supposed to be able to do it. <laughs> right. That's why Aaron Rodgers is nervous, because he knows that guy's supposed to be able to do it, and he couldn't. How the hell am I going to do this, man? You know what I mean? Like, and there's only 20 people standing there. Exactly. Exactly. That's... And they're hammered, man. Reno's all about a good time. No one's <laughs> expecting anything. They just want to take a picture and get an autograph. They're cool with Barkley swing. Yeah. We're all suckers for it, too, because it takes two good shots to get us back the next day. No doubt. You could play awful mm-hmm. for 17 holes, but if you nut your tee shot on 18, stick your approach, and then you hit your pocket coming back there. Sure. It's, I mean, even it's just it's just one. It's a ball flight. It's just, it's. what does it feel like off the off the club face where you look up and you see it just where it's supposed to be, and it's just gently falling over, and you're like, I know how to do this. Right. And and we all do because we have, but it's, um you know, it's the inability to repeat and all the have rest of it. Have you ever seen your swing on camera? I have. And because I know with my swing – in my mind, oh yeah, it's one way. That's that's, that's velvety, syrupy, oh, my buttery. Goodness. And then I saw it on camera and was like, "This is why Bubba doesn't have a swing coach and people filming his swing." Yeah, because it'll mess with you up. I, I'm always amazed at the position where I think I'm exactly right, where I'm so far off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's it's, 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 it's jarring. <laughs> To me, because like when I leave the house and I look in the mirror, I'm like, yep, I'm all set. Things are good. But then when I turn and I I realize like, that's not what I look like. I'm a bald, lumpy, freckly headed fool. You know what I mean? But like in my mind, my golf swing looks like, you know, I'm put put together, baby. But you're always, you're always way beyond parallel. Don't need to be that. So disconnected. Right. I mean, and I mean, do you have a, who's the guy? Like, is there a guy when you're on the range? Do you like when you swing? Is there a guy who whose swing is the thought you have in your head? Nick Price. 
short, compact, and attacking the golf ball. That's a great one because mm-hmm. because he is his backswing is he gets his shoulder behind it and yeah, then that's he it. goes. And right. the same like JB Holmes, how long he is with mm-hmm. how short his swing is. Yep. I was always impressed with that because everyone talks about you know your back should be square to the target, get a full turn. JB Holmes don't get none of that, and his hands rarely get past his shoulders. Right. And I, so my my, I, my thought guy, is always Fred Couples. That's like, mine. I, yeah. I Butter. always think, I pick because. Every And you know Freddie, one of the all-time yeah, great guys, a huge sports fan, a great, great guy. And Freddie on the range, and Joey LaCava and I, would, he, he would, we would kind of have a deal where he'd give me the look. And when he gave me the look, it was like, could you please go away? Because if you stay here, he will not work, and he will just want to talk about sports. <laughs> so when Joey gave me the look, he'd be like, I got it. Um, hey, Fred, I got I to go. And wait, where are you going? Like he, Fred, Fred would hit like he would be three perfect six irons, and then he would want to talk for a half an hour. <laughs> and then he'd stand there, and then he'd talk to somebody else or whatever. But it was impossible to believe how... How effortless, and it was like it was like there watching can't a guy be that much power in that little. Exactly, effort. it's there... like watching a guy swing underwater. It's just yes. the tempo is every every bit of it is so easy, and then bang, he explodes at the bottom of the ball. That's that's the thing. You got to get to the bottom of the ball and, and and deliver that club violently, and that's what Fred is able to do. And then when I try to do it, then that you know you're. You're three inches behind, behind the ball. The ball. And, <laughs> tension. And it just sounds it's, awful. Yeah. And you get and vibrations. And the follow-through is yeah. never the same. No. That's the thing. Everyone focuses on getting to the golf ball. Uh-huh. And once you get there, you're like, oh, I'm done. Right. No. That's why if you work backwards, that's why I think the best teachers work backwards. Like if you start at your finished position, and, and Rich Lerner from the Golf Channel told me about this old pro that he learned from. Um, the guy's name is Frank Stocky, and if you ever have time with learner, just say, "Tell me some Stocky stories," because they're incredible. Yeah. But the the the, the Stocky um, teaching method, if it was even a method, was you'd get to your follow through position, and and he he'd have you stand there, and then all he said was, "Get there." That's it. I don't care how you get there, but think get about the, it. Think yes. about it. If you're if you're on your left foot, if you're right handed, if you're on your left foot and you're balanced and you're here and your 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 chest is sort of to the target, if you're standing here, if you've gotten there, then you've done the hard part you got here right like getting to the bottom of the ball and you stop there no that's like shooting a basketball and stopping before you follow through yes so stocky's whole point was get here and then so so, so there's times that i'll be on the range and i'll just think get there right get and then things. and then it works for a minute and then i forget. and then you go to the court well, and, yeah, and then i go on the first tee <laughs> and then i hit it in the, and i hit it on the i don't finish the swing and i i don't slice the ball but i absolutely block one in the middle of the range and then i'm pissed <laughs> off and, and then how the whole, did golf how did golf start for you when did this before high the school. golf chat really? Yeah, high school. You I play? was pardon. You play in high school? No, I was a baseball player and a basketball player. Okay. So I was a, I was a, I was your classic. I'm a good athlete. Golf will be easy. Oh, <laughs> oh. And, Hold and, up. And I my stepfather took me to a place um, called Haynes Point in Washington D.C., which is really well known in the area. People in the D.C. area will know it. Um, it is not a country club. I'll just put it that way. It ain't congressional. It, it, it's not any, it's, it's, it is Haynes point, baby. It is, it is down and dirty. Learn how to play the game. And, um, it's right by national airport. And, uh, we would go to Haynes point. And then I, I started playing at, you know, local municipal uh, parks. And then, you know, like anybody, I, go, I, the golf channel was an incredible happy accident. I was not some, I played in high school or I was some country club guy. I just, I fell into it. And then I, you know, I got the bug and I learned learned the game 
the best way you could, which was it was my occupation. Like you had to, you know, you better know Pear Ulrich Johansson on sight. <laughs> What's up, Pear? Pear dipped in the upper deck. Those Swedish guys How like weird is Jesper that? Yeah, does that too. That snus, the yes. snus stuff, which is a whole different variety. Yes. Upper deck. Yeah. Which is I don't know. When you go putting dip in your upper lip, man, and you already don't have much of an upper lip. Yeah. Right. Right. That's yeah. You're Maybe, throwing up a lipper yeah. up top. Yeah. yeah. When you're yeah right up top with the snus. <laughs> I didn't know. Which we were gonna... I love the fact that you can do that oh, Chess yeah. and Hadley move, but also that your favorite where in the world is SVP uh-huh. is the dude that's on the dance floor. The when clap. he does that move and then the hand clap, dude, I was on the floor rolling, man, just rolling. We don't want to blow blow up people's spots, as they say, but it's like, I mean, that one was too good not to enjoy. Because yeah, I mean, I look at that guy and think, I wish I had it like that. Because like, I mean, I'm too, I'm the too cool guy. Unless I've had a few. I don't want to make a scene, but that guy doesn't give up. No, he, he's in it to win it every yeah. single time. Got none. To yeah, but give. you know what? You know he was not like the dude hadn't just drunk water and then went out on the dance floor doing that. Probably not. The dude was in his happy place. Probably. You know he was in that. You know what? Before I have this one that I'm gonna be falling down. Right. I can still stand up and hold. Yeah. He's feeling feeling a little tingly, and that's my jam. <laughs> he's the Here guy that only shows up at open bars. Yeah. That's the uncle that yeah, you want at the bar. Party. He's probably not showing up. Yeah. There. He's probably not dancing at a cash bar. Open bar, he's out there. <laughs> U.S. Open week, Shinnecock, yeah. second major of the, of the season. So many guys playing well right now. Your assessment on who you like at the U.S. Open this week? Uh, first things first, I, I was at Shinnecock in '04, and the fact that they're going back is beyond my belief because the USGA murdered the golf course. Yes. They, it was I a hom- was caddying it, and homicide. got booed on the seventh tee. When the greenskeepers came out to and were syringing it. the green, and they were out there, make them play it the way it is. Don't be a freaking punk over there. Play it, you bleepers. <laughs> that 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 green was that was stupid. unfair. It unfair. was stupid. The golf course was dead. They killed it, and that was a shame because Shinnecock's awesome. Yeah. Um, the thing I like about a linksy course like this, and it's like the how about the pairing of DJ Justin and Tiger. Ridiculous. I feel um, bad for my boy Pat Perez, who's in the group in front. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's tough. Talk about, talk about crowd control. Yeah, yeah and good luck. All, and people always think it's the one behind. It's not the nope. one behind, it's the one in front. Yeah. Group in front's the one that, that, that catches a bad one. I took that. a picture uh-huh. of Tiger, Phil, and Ricky from the second green at Sawgrass. Uh-huh. They were on the third tee. And I took a picture of the tee, and it's 30,000 people. And then I turned around and took a picture of the second green, which was Austin Cook, who had just won, and Kip <laughs> Henley, and not even their parents were there. Nah, like, it was we'll see. I'll tell, you, tell us how you do later. <laughs> we'll be up here. I the, the thing about Shinnecock is like DJ is obviously a, a monster. No, I mean just overpowers a golf course from tee to green. JT same kind of deal. Tiger, I bet you, is going to hit a ton of irons um, off greens. I, I I mean off of tees. I would think. Uh, three woods, things of that nature. He didn't have to. He didn't have to try to keep up with them because it gives you opportunities to figure out different ways to play it, linksy kind of thing. Yep. Um, I, th- I think Fowler will play well there. Um, mm-hmm. and and Fowler's just a matter of time guy. I, he right. I, I think. But here's the thing about the sport: there's so many good guys that when it's your time, you better make it your time. Yep. You better not miss that window and that chance. We talk about this at Augusta all the time. Tom Weisskopf was going to win it for sure. Never did. Ernie Els, no doubt, definitely going to win it. Never did. Right. You know, you, there's a long list right Greg now. Oh, Norman. Oh, Dustin J. Oh, well, of course. He's the, he's the all-timer. He's the, <laughs> he's the all-timer. But, like, right now, oh, Justin Rose, oh, he'll definitely. He might not. Yeah. You, you, when you McElroy. Get, sure. 
Sure, I mean he's and and, and it's different for him because every year he's going to show up every April and it's going to be to finish the slam to yeah. finish the slam. It's not just one; it's four. It's like Phil it, at the U.S. Open, of course. And and you know, and that was a God. He should have won a bunch. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what: when he lost in a four, he he missed a few putts. But Retief Goosen, for people made that everything, he made par from places par does, did not live, correct. and and he putted like an alien that on day. dead green. Correct on dead greens. So that so, were running twenty. It was a joke what he did that day. But I mean, it it's the 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 list of people that that I think can play well there. I think it doesn't eliminate anyone. I don't think you you don't have to be a gorilla off the tee to 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 contend. Um, I think there are many ways to to to, to solve the Shinnecock riddle, which is fascinating. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I Ricky's a guy that just I have in my head that um, eventually eventually it's, it has to be his time. I'd love to see him win a U.S. Open. I picked to be him the to win the Masters and the U.S. Open this year. Did you? And he finished second at the Masters. But I think Shinnecock does set up for him. The only thing that scares me about what you said about Tiger mm-hmm. and the possibility of him not hitting driver off the tee mm-hmm. is because of the temperature and because that place has gotten so much rain, he's going to have to hit driver. Because if it stays under 75 degrees and that course doesn't dry out, 74, there's a 500, Pat Perez was telling me, there's a 500-yard par four there and it's uphill. Okay, He said he hit driver, three wood, and still had 10 yards Oof. to the front of the green. All right. Well, that's but now see the and he's thing, not a bomber, but no, but he's he the, ain't long. He ain't that short. No, and I think the thing about what what happened last time, I think and I hope, is the USGA figured figured out what not to do there. Yes. Um. And and they 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 like to have flexibility with how they can set up a golf course. Um. I don't love it. I don't love what they they mess around with things too much for my yeah. taste. It's unnecessary. Um, you go to great venues like you went, when they went to Marion. Like they, they were so nervous that people were going to shoot nothing that they did all these little. Ernie Els apologized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Tuesday. Yeah. Sorry for what we're going to do. Yeah. And what? Then, yeah. Because you, you ain't shooting on the par. No, they did. Well, they decided. They just. They, they if they decide that they don't want it, then they, then then you're not going to do it. Yeah. Um But but I I think. I, I, the weather will dictate, obviously, and it has been wet. So, I mean, may, you, you make a good point. I, my, my, I think what I'm guilty of right now is I'm remembering 2004 that it was like tarmac. It was yes awful. on the putting green, and I've told the story before. On the putting green, in the morning of Sunday morning, Scott Hoke comes over. He goes, "Watch this." He took a bottle of water and he poured out. He poured out a little teeny puddle, and then another little puddle. And it balled up like um, if it was, as if it were mercury. Yes. And he said, "We're having water races," and eventually. The two water blobs started going downhill because the ground would not absorb that the water. Ridiculous! It was and it, it was, was just concrete. small little. Yeah, I remember. It was, it was, was like it was like concrete. Yeah, it'll be interesting after the Aaron Hill story last year with what that major championship did. We know Brooks Kepka got his. I'm going to leave you out of here on this one. You've been so gracious with your time. Not at all. I am giving you a scorecard. SVPs on the top. You uh-huh. get to fill out your foursome. Who are you putting on it? Ah, uh, man, this is uh this is easy. Um, this is easy and uh. I I'm I don't I don't care if it's corny or not. Um it would be my dad, my stepfather, my grandpa because all of them passed away. And um and none of them were any good at golf, which means it would be a long round and we would be able to spend uh about 4 or 5 6 hours together. Mm. And I haven't seen any of them in a long time and there's a lot to catch up on. Uh I got married, I have kids, I've had a a, a job that's worked out well and uh 
it would really be cool. My stepfather's the guy that took me out to Haynes Point and taught me, you know, got me involved in the game years ago. But uh, those those are my guys. I mean, there's there's great answers about player, you know, sure. guys that that play. Yeah, but the game. that's that's but, other people's dream yeah, force. That, that's 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 my group. Those Brown. three. Um, I haven't seen them in too long, and uh, anytime I think about it, it's like I almost get I get like Oshi talking about the about his dad last night. I get emotional because I think, man, that would be really cool to do. Um, but I don't know. Someday, someday. Six in, hours some, on a golf course. Yeah. Someday in the someday in the in the next life, we'll get it. We'll get a chance to catch up. Me and those. Guys. I want to end with this. Uh-huh. How has having kids changed what you do now and like how you are? Because I know it changed me a lot, and I see the difference in you now. Yeah. As SVP, the dad. Yeah. As opposed to SVP, the dude that was like. I'm just a college guy, man. <laughs> yeah. We can go do what we want whenever we want. It took a long time for me to get to, you know, I, I became a husband later and much later in life than most of my friends. And I became a dad much later in life than most of my friends. But it, for me, I would have been lousy at it when I was in my 30s because I was still way too selfish about my time and, and what I was trying to get done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thankfully, um, thankfully it went the way it did because now uh, I'm at a place where uh, I have enough autonomy here that you know, I'm, I'm able to spend my days at home and I don't, you know, I work late at night and, and I'm able to spend my days picking up my daughter from school, playing with my little kids. And it, I, I'm, there's still, I still have selfish moments, but I am, I'm no longer first in line there. And I, <laughs> and, and unless you're willing, unless you're willing to, to be second in line to your kids, then don't have a child. Uh, cause you're going to, you'd be a lousy parent in and opinion. you'll be miserable. Yes, you will. Because if you're, it, it, look, it's hard, man. It's like anyone tells you it's not hard is lying. It's difficult. It's difficult. But there's no love in the world like, uh, like your kids, you know. And uh, I'm just so thankful that I got to know that because I, I wasn't sure if I would. And I'm so thankful that I got to know what it is, especially my little girl. Like my boys are my boys. Like and and I look forward to playing whatever with them if they want to play. But man, my little girl, shoot, me and her. Listen to Billy Joel's Lullaby. There's a song about fathers and daughters. Yeah. There's a song called Cinderella about about dancing with Cinderella um, before the clock yep. strikes midnight yep. and she leaves. See? And when I first heard about that song and I played it for her and I'm driving down the road and she says, "Daddy, why are you why are you crying?" Yep. I'm like, "See?" I'm like, uh, you, "I'll explain it to you later." She's five now. She's she doesn't she doesn't get it yet. But someday, if I I just hope I live long enough to see her get married and we'll dance to that song. And uh, you know, have you read The Giving Tree? Uh huh. I couldn't get by the last page. They had to read it to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scott, blubbering man. Gracious yeah. with your time. I know McQuaid's waiting on you for your meeting. Whatever. And uh, <laughs> at some point, we'll have you recite every lyric to Frozen because with your age group, I know that you know it. <laughs> yeah, that's my. Yeah, that's a. Can we not do that? We can't. We'll, <laughs> we're gonna let that one go, Scott. We'll get you dancing, man. Thanks, Thanks so for having much, me brother. in. Yeah. All the best. Thank for this. You, you know, you know where to find me anytime. Uh, especially when you're here, it's fun to be face to face as opposed know, to man. satellite, right? Well, normally I'm sending you pictures of Publix fried chicken. I was just going to say, you promised me Publix fried chicken and <laughs> some macaroni and cheese, and I damn sure don't see any on man. that other side. Right? You know, it would not have stayed I, nice I, though. I, it, you, would, it wouldn't. It, two things: a, you, it wouldn't have made it because you'd eaten it, and b, so you it, know it, me. Yeah, and it wouldn't have made it through. So I, I got it. Well, you guys have the relationship where you share food smut. Because yeah. he, I, I know what his thing is, <laughs> and he knows what my thing yeah. is too. Food, like, yeah, yeah. porn, yeah. yeah, food, food, porn. Yeah, Love you got it. Yeah, you guys be good. All, All right. the best. Thanks, for this. thanks, Bill. He's one of those guys, SVP, that I can sit and talk to forever. Uh, I bet you, if we did a two and a half hour podcast with him, not only would our family members listen for all two and a half hours. But 
everyone who downloads the podcast would listen just because he's one of those guys who has such interesting backstories to everything. His journey is just crazy. And it's it's the way it's presented and how he tells the story. I mean, if he didn't have a meeting, we probably would have taken more of his time. Another hour. (laughs) SVP, the first guest, I'm Eddie and the caddy, and we are certainly appreciative of it. It is U.S. Open Week. Shinnecock. Can't wait to watch it. Talked heavily about Ricky Fowler, that it could be his time. Mm. We are gonna we're gonna wrap up on eighteen here. It's the eighteenth hole. We're gonna we're gonna go to the green. All right. And we are gonna pick a favorite or who you think is gonna win the US Open and then give the beautiful people an underdog that perhaps could take the US Open. All right. My favorite? Who are you, who do you think is gonna win? Yeah, pick your winner. My I, I love Dustin Johnson. I know. I do. I love Dustin Johnson. And I believe that Ricky's probably going to finish second. I had picked Ricky to win, and I still think that there's a good chance that he'll be in contention Sunday. But just if that course is playing crazy long in those temperatures, just DJ is the guy who can not overpower it, but be in a really good place. So I lo- DJ's I, my favorite. I love DJ. He hasn't been the same since he hurt his back at the Masters over a year ago. Yep, but true. when and when when in peak form, U.S. Open sets up perfectly for his game. That's who you think is going to win. Give me your underdog. My underdog might surprise you just a little bit. Bryson DeChambeau. He's having a hell of a year. Yes, he's having a hell of a year. And coming off of that win at Jack's place, I think that's a big enough golf course right there that for him, he'll go to Shinnecock and be like, well, I've already won on a big boy course. I think he's had six top tens already this year. He is just in a really good place. For him, it's all about the putter. Right. When we recorded this podcast, he was at 50 to one, the odds to win the U.S. Open. I I like both those picks. I love Dustin Johnson. I'm not going to go the same guy as you. I, I, I love Dustin, but you know who's playing really good golf that I could see going in there and winning is Justin Rose. I think I, I really like Justin Rose. Second, just second major with a second U.S. Open title. I to think go Justin along with Rose, the Olympic gold medal. There, really? Yeah, there have been times this year where he's looked like a robot. And it's funny, mm. the same as you picked Ricky to win the Masters and the U.S. Open, I've done the same with Justin Rose. I thought he was going to win at Augusta. I think his game's round into shape. If not Dustin, I love Justin Rose. My underdog, I'm going to go with the guy who's won a U.S. Open before. As and an under, the, what? And won the players. Webb Simpson, fifty-five to one. I kind of like Webb Simpson. He's an awesome. I understand fifty-five to one, but is that really an underdog by Vegas' standards? And they uh, built yeah, a whole city on being right. Fifty-five. It's to fifty-five one. to one. You know what? I got to give you that as an underdog. Yeah, and I mean, your but boy the guy was, who just won the players. The only thing that you just me picked about, the guy who won Memorial. Yeah, I, I know, but his odds. Fifty to one, made, even better than. So yeah. your whole argument's done. I know. Okay, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Thank you're you. Right. All right. It took an hour to get that to get to that point. <laughs> uh, we appreciate the first download. A couple of housekeeping notes: you, you can subscribe and listen on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. Also, you can find pictures from the podcast, videos from the podcast, and everything in between on both of our social media channels: Twitter at Maddie and Caddy, M A T T Y A N D C A D D I E. Twitter. At Maddie and Caddy, Instagram at Maddie and Caddy. Same thing. That's where you're going to see some good stuff. M a t t y, the word and c a d d i e. Pictures from around campus, pictures with our guests, and I will also post a picture of how Michael Collins was dressed today because <laughs> I'm sure at some point people came up and tried to buy fireworks from it. Why? I'm, I'm hitting on my shorts for the caddy. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Maddie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.